The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The crowd came together again, so that Jesus and his disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of a triune God of love, amen. Well then, in light of what we just heard in that Gospel, let's talk about last week. <laughs> Last Sunday here at Trinity was glorious. A small contingency of us met in the chapel at 8 a.m., as we always do, to offer a quiet foundation of prayer and sacrament to what we knew would be an uproariously festive day for our community as a whole. Then more of us gathered in the Undercroft, where we enjoyed a wonderful conversation with our new bishop. Bishop Alan Gates. And then the great procession gathered on the front porch to pray. A solo rang out through the rafters and down to the streets. The organ cued the start of our service. And as we sang St. Patrick's regal hymn of binding ourselves to a three-in-one God of the Trinity, a dove kite flew overhead and our worship began. The music was wonderful, filled out by a trumpet and a recorder. Bishop Allen gave a stellar sermon, which will leave me forever understanding our multifaceted God as a God of prepositions. God above, God across, God among, God between, God before, God beside. After sharing bread and wine, we processed out to the chapel, Cornerstone, and the children waved their Pentecost streamers 
as our bishop blessed the cornerstone that was laid some 130 years ago. And then through the chapel we went into our new parish hall. We gathered in a place where we will gather thousands of more times as a community. We gathered there for the first time. In awe and with our prayers and presence, we blessed it. Then we ate cake. It was a truly glorious day. All week I have been referring to it as the Trinity Sunday Love Fest Trifecta. We love our new parish house. We love our new bishop. We love Trinity Church and one another. So with all the love and energy from last week fueling me, I was looking forward to being able to preach this week until I sat down with the gospel. (laughs) And a Jesus who speaks in riddles and says things that I don't always like stormed in. The scene is set in Jesus' hometown amid an unmanageable crowd. This is chapter 3 out of 16 chapters in the Gospel of Mark. So we're still just starting to get to know this Jesus. He has already called his disciples, and he's already healed many people, hence the crowd. Jesus has drawn the attention of a few different notable groups of people, One, the authorities, who are a bit put out by this rebellious and idolized teacher. Two, lots of followers, all of whom want a piece of Jesus. They want to hear him speak. They want to touch him. They want to be healed by him. And there's a third group. Mark tells us that Jesus has drawn the attention of evil spirits. And whatever we may or may not personally hold to be true about evil spirits, Mark thought they were pretty important. You see, the evil spirits recognized Jesus as both divine and as a threat to evil before anyone else did. And Jesus was always trying to get them to be quiet and not reveal his true identity to everyone else. So, Jesus is in the middle of such a crowd that he can't even eat. Beyond the crowd, his family is on their way to extricate him and take him home where they think they can talk some sense into him and make the chaos stop, because how embarrassing all of this must be for them. And how concerned they must be for their brother. How concerned Mary must be for her son. Meanwhile, the authorities who have noticed Jesus' interesting dialogue with evil spirits call out a public accusation that Jesus is possessed by the devil and casting out evil spirits in the name of the devil. Jesus has a few responses, one of which I love, one of which I want to pretend isn't there, and one that I think is helpful for us today. So first, the response I love. Jesus basically says, uh, guys... How can you be accusing me of working for Satan and casting Satan out? Did you actually think about that before you made that ridiculous accusation? Modern day political cartoonists would have a heyday with that. The second bit of his response is hard. It's the one I wish wasn't here. This is where Jesus accuses his accusers of blaspheming by calling the Holy Spirit inside of Jesus evil. Jesus says that this is 
an unforgivable sin. He says people will be forgiven all their sins, except sins against the Holy Spirit. And I have no way to explain that to you. But if you can explain it, I'd love to hear your thoughts. My best guess is that to sin against the Holy Spirit is to deny the presence of the Holy Spirit in ourselves and in one another, and therefore to deny our very nature, our very goodness as we are made in the image of God, to deny our very place in the kingdom, and therefore to be closed down to the possibility of forgiveness and the possibility of eternal life. I don't know if that's what Jesus meant, But I do believe that forgiveness is not as exclusive as this text makes it sound, makes it it out to be. And I plan to have a serious conversation with Jesus about this as soon as he and I meet in person. Let him know that some of his riddles have been more like stumbling blocks than inspirations. The third part of Jesus' response to his accusers comes when his family arrives to retrieve him. He knows why his mother and his brothers have come, and he knows that even with their good intentions, they are there to stifle his work. So he leaves them at the door and tells those gathered that all of them are his mother and his brother and his sisters. They are his family. In this moment, it is made clear that Jesus doesn't belong to his mother any more than he belongs to anybody else. He is not more of a brother to his siblings than he is to you and me. With him, we are all one family. This unity, this state of being family, is so important for us as a church community It is as a family that Trinity Church began in 1884 or 1885 or whatever it was. And it was within this family that each project and ministry and change in leadership took place. Sometimes this has been a wounded family. Sometimes a grieving family. Sometimes a quarreling family. Sometimes a family in denial of the work that needs to be done. In more recent history, Trinity has been a highly functional family with vibrant ministries and a large dose of affection. Backed by the energy of such a healthy era, this family has just built a beautiful new building during a time when many other churches are downsizing. Now I wonder what it is that Jesus is calling us to do next. Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. Now, I do not see Trinity Church as a house divided. But how do we take hold of this strength and unity that we have now and build upon it? How do we become even more open to every member of this family and assure that anyone who walks through those doors is met as a beloved brother or sister? How do we allow the love of this family to fuel and sustain each of us so that we can bring God's love to every corner of our lives, to each person we encounter? How can we bring the kingdom of God everywhere by investing deeper here? I mean, really investing ourselves. And what would that look like? We already have so much investment in this community. We know that. 
right from these four kids who sing in the choir, to every person who has the courage to walk through those doors for the first time, to every minute of ministry that went into building that building over there, to every prayer that is said at our healing prayer altar. The investment here is deep. But what would it look like to go deeper? Perhaps deeper investment means exploring a new ministry, showing up more often, double-checking to make sure that we have done what we can to help finish paying for that parish house so that we can say it truly was a house built by every single one of us. Maybe investing more deeply means finding a need in this place that can be met by a certain gift or passion in your core. Finding a new kindred spirit or two and forging some new deep friendships. Letting your own needs and wounds be met. Being more vulnerable. Putting down roots to the point of needing to be nowhere else but here when we are gathered. Not just because this family needs, or not just because this family feeds each of us, because it won't always, but because we each feed it. Being invested means knowing that each of us is needed. And being invested, not as a consumer of Sunday morning worship, but as a member of a family, is how this house stands as an undivided force of love in a fractured world. So, let's embrace Jesus' claim that family is something so much bigger than biology, that we with him are very much a family, and let's all, in a renewed kind of way, pitch in, open up, and go deeper, and continue to allow the Holy Spirit to do new and exciting things through us. Amen.